Welcome to From the Booth, a podcast where we talk about films playing at International Cinema at Brigham Young University. This is one of two podcasts that we are producing during this, our fifth week of BYU's winter semester 2021. I'm Doug Weatherford, co-director of International Cinema, and I am joined by Osan Mermer, director of one of the amazing documentaries, Deep, that we are streaming this semester. Osan, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Doc. Thanks for having me. We're, we're thrilled to have you, and it's a special treat, of course, always to have filmmakers with us on our podcast. And for those who uh, are not yet familiar with Osan's film, uh, let me quickly explain that Yib is a documentary film that follows, in particular, a couple of Mayan girls as they participate in a binational choir that was formed right along the border between Mexico and Guatemala that was artificially divided as those two nations separated. And uh, it gives us an insight into many different topics, including Mayan culture and language and environment and borders and nationality. It's a really fun documentary. I enjoyed seeing it quite a bit. And Osan, I was hoping that uh, before we talk about Yib, if you might uh, give us a little bit of information about your own interesting multinational background. You're joining us from Berlin, but uh, you made this film in Mexico, and there are some other interesting uh, elements that are part of your formation. Why don't you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, well, pleasure. Yeah, right now I'm I'm in cold Berlin. Last year I came back after four years of living and working in Mexico. And before that, I studied in Munich in the south of Germany uh, in the film school, fiction direction. And um, the reason I went to Mexico in 2016 was to to study documentary filmmaking because I thought if I want to be a director, it would be very helpful and useful to, to know how that works to make documentary films, which is totally another approach and that was a good decision. And now I'm back in Berlin, and this is my hometown because I was I was born in Berlin, actually. My father is Turkish. My mom is French. So I have these two nationalities, these two passports. I don't have the German nationality. And, yeah, I guess, I mean, Mexico was totally new for me. I couldn't speak Spanish when I arrived. Um, I, I haven't been to Latin America before. And a lot of people asked me, you know, man, why are you going to Mexico, actually? Why are you making this documentary? And at the beginning, I didn't have like an answer to that. But I think during the, the process, during the making of Yeep, I realized actually I had to go to Mexico. I had to do this documentary because I made a film or I was making a film about two girls who didn't know where they belong. Because they lived in the in the Chuch in the Mayan Chuch area in Siskau, but this area, as you already mentioned, is is divided by the by the border. And at the other hand, on the other side of the border, there are their their um, Chuch family, friends, relatives, but they're Guatemaltecan, and they don't really know if they're Mexican, if they're Chuch, if they're Mayan, if they're Guatemaltecan. So this is like the connection point from my own experience to to that documentary. That's uh, really interesting. I was particularly fascinated by your own biography in part because I do a fair amount of uh, research in Mexico 
and, and I'm quite familiar with the film school that you attended with, which is the CCC or the Centro mm-hmm. de Capacitación Cinematográfica. And uh, I, I didn't know that you learned Spanish when you arrived in Mexico. And I'm wondering if you could just, before we get into the film, tell us a little bit more about about that experience and why you chose that film school and what is it like to learn film in Mexico? In case some of our listeners don't know, Mexico has an amazing film industry. It's very, very advanced. And some of the the Mexican uh, directors and cinematographers that are very successful in Hollywood night right now proves that point. But if you could perhaps comment on your own experience. Okay, yeah, sure. I mean, you you already mentioned it, and I wasn't aware of that fact that Mexico plays a huge role in the in the world of filmmaking. Most of the movies in Latin America come from Mexico. They're dubbing all the movies for whole Latin America because they have a, like a really clean Spanish, so every country in Latin America would understand that. And it was more like first I had the decision to to make a new experience, yeah, to 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 get a scholarship and to study one year in another film school abroad, and then I got a list of film schools who work with us with the HFF in Munich, a very f- good film school, and so I had two schools which really interested me because they were both Spanish-speaking schools. To make it more confusing, I have to say that I actually never almost never talked French with my mom, but I heard a lot of Spanish uh, at our place, at our home, because my mom back then, I mean, her first, first husband was Bolivian and she was um, studying Latin American studies. She did her doctor thesis on, on Cuba and all of her friends were intellectuals, uh, musicians from Latin America. So I heard a lot of Spanish when I grew up and I guess I wanted, you know, to learn Spanish um, finally. So I, I I chose a film school in Argentina and a, a film school CSS in, in Mexico City, and then I I started to check on the films you know they're doing there, and I found the films coming from CSS very interesting, very compelling, and they have huge success on international film festivals. So that was a decision why I went actually to Mexico City because of that film school, because of these films I've seen on on other film festivals. So yeah, I went to Mexico City and um, everything was super new to me. I mean, Berlin already is, it's a big city with 4 million inhabitants, but Mexico City is a totally different thing. And um, well, yeah, I had to, to figure out how to move in Mexico City and I had to learn Spanish there. And at the beginning, I was a little bit frightened, I have to say. And I'm not talking about sometimes about the uh, insecurity you have in these big cities. I'm more talking about was that the right decision? You know, am I prepared to do that? And then when I found out that uh, actually during this year I had to do a documentary film, I didn't know about what and uh, I didn't know with what, you know, without any documentary or Spanish skills. But then the film classes started and very soon uh, I was very relieved because I have to say the students who studied with me were very open and they received me with open arms. They were very interested in, in, in my my person and they were very interested in collaborating with me but also the teachers 
So the teachers we have in the CCC are very well-known documentary filmmaker uh, makers from from Mexico. They know a lot, and, and they're very empathetic. They're very nice. They ha- know how to to teach well. And so after a few weeks, I knew that was the right decision, and I felt very welcome. Yeah, that was a was a good start, and. Then at the end, I decided to stay three years longer. This is this already shows that I really liked it. <laughs> and and I'm really interested as well in how you found this story about this binational choir and these characters in particular that are marvelous characters. Is that something that you knew about? Did somebody suggest it to you? How did you find that story? Yeah, I was lucky. Someone suggested that to me. As I already mentioned, my mom had a lot of friends from Latin America. Some Mexicans, very close friends to her, uh, they studied in East Berlin when the, the wall was still here in Berlin. And then they went back to Mexico to work in the music business or, you know, as a director of music. And they still had contact. So when I arrived in Mexico City, she she connected me uh, with her former friends or with her friends. And one person, uh, his name is Eduardo Garcia Barrios, he's the founder of that music program for children and, and, and young people in, in Mexico. And this program operates in the whole country. There are like 130 or 140 choirs or music group all over the country. And so when I first met him, he realized that I had to do a documentary. And then he was like, you know, why not working together? You know, I can help you with that. Why don't you come with me to some concerts, to some communities, and just check it out and see if you're interested? And that man was very intelligent because he already knew my biography. So what he did was he he took me to this area, La Trinitaria and Siscao, that binational area, like very early, because he knew that this is going to be interesting to me because of the question of identity, you know, a belonging. And and he was right. And also, not only because of the subject, which was interesting to me, also the place. I mean, you've seen the documentary. The place is, is amazing to shoot there, you know, not only because it's beautiful. I mean, you don't make a documentary with beautiful pictures but it really helps and and climate is very it's changing like every two two days you have sun you have you have rain and you have fog and so i already saw like all the images of the documentary i wanted to do when i first arrived there and so i chose very early to shoot there and we made a little casting with the help of this music program with the music teachers you see in the um, documentary Arturo and, and Cynthia, and we did like a little casting that presented me to all of their music students, choir students, and I talked to every one of them. And at the end, I chose Aleida and Alejandra also because they are cousins, but also because they were more open than the other ones, I have to say. You know, one of the things that I was fascinated about these two young girls, and, and they are fascinating, is that you you seemed in many ways to be making a film about women or about uh, young girls. And I was just wondering if you set out to show the feminine perspective and the feminine experience, or is that something that just happened? I think this is something that just that just happened. There's one picture, one scene, which is very emblematic. 
I don't know if you remember at the beginning there's there's like a like a party and this concert in their own community. And there's a little scene where they prepare for this concert and for this party. So that you have a scene with a lot of women, even small girls who are, you know, preparing food, preparing the the tables and everything, and then we cut to a wall and there are like twenty men just standing not right. doing anything you know and i think yeah you can say whatever you want about this but actually that helped us because it means that aleda and alejandra like all the women in this community they have a lot of things to do so this helped us to 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 shoot a lot with a lot aleda and alejandra and they did a lot of different things and i think this is why you know that was something what just happened I have a real connection to Southern Mexico and to the Mayan communities uh, down in, in that part of the world as well. I wrote my uh, doctoral thesis on Rosario Castellanos, mm -hmm. uh, who uh, grew up in, in the Chiapas, in the in state of Chiapas. And uh, so uh, the representation of the Mayan, and in some ways, that community's connection to their natural environment, I think is quite uh, interesting. And I'm wondering if you might comment as well on that, how it was to be in another culture. And, uh, and you've already mentioned the importance of the natural environment, but how do you see it appearing as perhaps a character within your documentary? Can I ask you something? What do you mean with a uh, character in my documentary? You're talking in other about words, that the environment, the natural environment is of such importance that it feels like it's, uh, it, it's more than a place. It becomes one of the characters that you mm. are presenting within your uh, documentary storytelling. Well, I think there was something strange happening when I arrived there because I was not only new to Mexico, but I was also new in that Chuch zone. So everyone in my film team and our film team was new there too. I think there happened a lot of things we weren't aware of and maybe we we're still not aware of. But the first thing we could see, especially when you're coming from Mexico City or from the so-called first world, is how the people in Siskau and that Mexican village treated their land, their nature, their lake. There was somehow one. And I think this is what you find deeply in Mayan culture. I mean, Chuch is the smallest Mayan community. When I got it right, it's like maybe 22 Mayan uh, cultures, and Chuch is the smallest. But all of these Mayan cultures have something in common, this, this connection to their own land. I mean, they're actually basically saying that they were born, the first men were born out of the mice, of, of, of the corn. And... I think you can f still feel that, and we were very surprised by that, and we were happy that we could use this connection. So this is why we have scenes in the documentary where the choir is singing in the nature, and this is why we have scenes with Don Isidoro showing us how he produces coffee. Right. You know, there's, a, there's another scene that takes place on a walk through the jungle that uh, I really liked. And it's the, the two girls who are walking along and they come across some uh, ancient Mayan ruins and they say something along the lines of, we're going to appear on Discovery Channel 
And it was a really interesting moment in which it almost felt like these two contemporary Mayan girls didn't feel fully connected, perhaps, to their ancient culture. And, and I'm just wondering if you might uh, comment on that uh, scene as well, on, on how it happened. Was that uh, just natural? Was it uh, something that was perhaps more created to show something? Or, or how did, how did uh, that come about? Yeah, it's really interesting that that you mentioned that. Really interesting. So we created that when the first trips we took to Siskau, we did like research and and location scouting. And of course, there were a lot of people coming to us because they saw the camera and some white faces being interested in, in nature. So they all had like an idea where to bring us, you know. And we went with everyone because you never know what to find. And there was one man, I forgot his name, unfortunately. He was very quiet, but he stood there with all the people who wanted to, who wanted to, to shower things, and he had a boat. And so we asked him what like his idea was, why he has a boat and what he wants to show us. And he said, like, I know faces. You know, he just said, like, there are caras. And... Um, we didn't know what that means, but he said, like, I take you on the boat to that island and no one, no tourist, no anthropologist was ever been there. That was what he said. And so we said, okay, that sounds good. Let's, uh, let's go. And what we found, like, on this little island in the lake were what you see in the documentary, real Mayan sculptures maybe i don't know how old they are you know maybe 500 years maybe 800 years but totally untouched and there was no sign there was you know no one knew about that no tourists this is in no book we were amazed by this by this by this place and also i mean i think like us who come to a place i mean of course we created we make it bigger maybe than it is you know and we feel things maybe uh, that are not there but we felt like a wow effect. So I asked myself, how can we get these faces into into my into the documentary? And we found a way. This is a scene you've seen. And then to ask to answer your other question, then what happened was that we went there with Aleda and Alejandra, and we created a little bit, and we said like, yeah, we have to walk up the jungle, which was very hard for them, and especially for Daniel, the photographer, because he had to walk with the camera as well. And then I didn't tell the, the girls what we were going to see, because I wanted to capture their their wow moment in camera, you know. So we then we arrived at this place, recording their faces and their we're just looking at these faces and then they sat down and they took out their sandwich and they began to eat. And I was like, because isn't it amazing? <laughs> and they were like, yeah, I mean, this is beautiful. I mean, they never talked much. They were totally not amazed by that at the beginning because they didn't know, you know, what that means for them. So we stopped recording, and then I tried a different way. And the music teacher told them a little bit about the story or about the history behind these faces. And then they got more and more interested, and then they started 
talking about that without me, you know, saying you have to talk about it or say something. And they started to, to touch it. They started to make, to take photos and suddenly like an interest rose. You know, I really appreciate hearing that story because I'm, I'm fascinated by documentary filmmaking and the process of creating, you know, a documentary film, which I, I think many viewers perhaps imagine that it's only about, uh, you know, telling a reality, but there's so much more that goes into it. And I'm wondering if you might comment on some of the formal elements of putting this film together. For example, one thing that I noticed is that you chose not to use a voiceover narrator and uh, create uh, perhaps something that feels a bit more like, you know, capturing a slice of life in this particular moment, in this particular environment. And I know that you had a sound editor, that you had a a photographer uh, who both did an amazing job. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, perhaps you could talk a little bit more about putting the pieces together to create what is a documentary film. Um, Yeah, that was a really hard process. But actually, this is... This is where you learn the most. Um, what do you do with your material? So you have two moments actually where you, no, three moments maybe where you create your documentary first. You have a concept and you write it based on your research. Uh, then you go there and you film it and you want to film it how, it, how it's written down in your concept. And of course, that never happens. There are always new things. And so documentary filmmaking, what I learned there, and I have to mention again, that was my very first documentary I've ever did in my life. So I think like I learned a lot in this process. One very important thing about documentary filmmaking and this difference to, to fiction filmmaking is that you have to decide very fast and, and that you have to to change maybe your concept every day or change uh, your idea you have of your own movie every day depending on what's happening in front of the camera and what's happening with the characters and what's happening with maybe sometimes i just don't want to shoot and the third moment where you create your documentary again and this is the most powerful tool you have in documentary filmmaking is editing you know, so I think we had like 40 hours of, of, of material and um, the, the movie is one hour long. How can we, you know, build a, a narration, something cool, you know, something people would, you know, stick to it um, with all this material. And I had a really amazing editor, Esperanza, and she she really helped me to, to find a story in these 40, 40 hours of, of material. I'm kind of wondering what you might say is the most important idea that uh, you hope that people will take away from viewing this film and maybe even suggest some things to look for from our viewers as well. Well, this is very hard. I think what I tried because also it was my first documentary, I didn't have like an agenda or a message before I was shooting and then I tried to stick to it and, and to to deliver it to an audience and to the people. But what I tried and I think in some points we achieved that and I'm very thankful for having such a great team because sound and image and editing and sound design makes a huge difference there or there really helped me is to transport the feeling I had when I first arrived to that place, to transport this feeling to the audience with my movie. 
yeah, to to give the audience a chance, a slight chance to feel how it could be or how it is to to spend one hour in in Ciscao. Great. I, I and I think you uh, did that very well. I, I think it's a film that people will watch and just be amazed to see the things that go on every day, right? And and I think that the two youthful characters that are at the heart of this film really justify your decision to kind of give this a a child's perspective, right? I think that we see mm-hmm. this environment and this situation and this these two national boundaries in many respects uh, through the children that live it. But I, I also want to point out the, the real importance of some of the adult characters in particular. You've mentioned them a number of times, the music teacher. And I want to thank you for this film because it really was a treasure for me to watch. And I think that, that those listening to this podcast who haven't seen it yet to go out and find this film and watch it. But I'm hoping that before we finish, Osan, that you could perhaps tell us a little bit about some of your current and upcoming projects. What else can we look forward to seeing from you? Well, first of all, I want to thank you because that means a lot to me as an emerging filmmaker to hear from a person that uh, we achieved what we wanted to achieve, that you felt something. And I guess that happened in other film festival too. I was very surprised by the reaction in Cairo where it had a world premiere. And the people were very moved, the Egyptian people, and no one of them have ever been to Guatemala and Mexico. And I was so touched by that, that that we could connect, you know, just a bunch of people with a movie. And I love that fact. And this is actually, you know, this is a motor why I want to, to keep on doing documentary film. So right now, I got a little bit back to my roots, and now we're starting three projects they're in development we're writing them fiction so two feature films and one series that one series also takes place in mexico so i'm very happy about you know going back for research and uh, having some micheladas uh, and some enchiladas um, again because I really miss that. But I don't forget about the, the documentary filmmaking. I wrote a concept and uh, I hope to find some interested uh, production companies soon. It's um, When I got back to Mexico City, I started to work in an NGO. And, and that NGO, we worked with girls who managed to escape from minor prostitution Lots of these cases, they, they, they worked for some cartels and they all lived in, in one asylum, I think you say in English, or in one house till they get 18 um, and they can never, you know, leave the house because of several reasons. I got to know them and uh, got to know their stories a little bit. We worked a little bit together on some photo workshops and stuff. That was very interesting. And one of these girls... One day she became 18, and normally what the girls do in this in the South Asylum is they stay there because they found a family and because they feel you know safe there. But this girl, at her very first day, she just said, "Okay, bye," and that was very unexpected, and no one ever heard of her again. I think she went back to Ciudad Juarez. And yeah, my concept is based on that. Where is she? What is she doing now? Like the quest for for that girl 
because this is not only you know finding that girl but it's only it's also you know finding what what lies behind that you know why what was the reason that she first you know lived at that place and now she got back again to the same place uh, what to Ciudad Juarez yeah this is a story which interests me very much uh, it sounds fascinating and i i wish you all the best as you continue to work in the film industry and i'm 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 thrilled that you use the term emerging uh, filmmaker because for our audience I, I just want to point out how much of a challenge it is to break into the filmmaking business and that uh, there's so many great stories that are that have been told and that are still to be told and i i hope that uh, we as a listening community on this podcast can really support people like Osan who are you know creative uh, young uh, directors who are are going to give us some of those stories that we'll remember. So thank you again, Osan. Uh, thank you for being our guest on this podcast. We really do appreciate it, and thank you for your great movie. Thank you very much, Doug. I had um, I had fun, and it was nice to to remember again all these stories. Thank you for your questions. Thank you, and thank you to our listeners for joining us today on From the Booth. Uh, tune in to our podcast each week for insightful discussion of the film streaming at BYU's International Cinema. Current BYU students, faculty, and staff signing up with their BYU Net ID can stream Yeeb this week on BYU's Hamedia platform. For instructions, visit ic.byu.edu. Our podcast is produced by the International Cinema Program at Brigham Young University and is supported by the College of Humanities. We are solely responsible for the opinions and ideas expressed here as they do not represent any official position adopted by the university or its supporting institutions. Until next time, keep streaming.